0: Hello, and welcome back to Texas Tech Health Check from Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. I'm your host, Melissa Whitfield. January is Human Trafficking Prevention Month, and an estimated 27.6 million people are subjected to human trafficking globally. Our guest for this episode is here to explain what is human trafficking, who are the most vulnerable, what victims look like, and what you can do if you suspect human trafficking. Julie St. John is an associate professor in the Julia Jones-Matthews School of Population and Public Health, and she has done research on human trafficking, and she tells us how and why it is also an issue of public health. Dr. St. John, thank you for coming on our podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your expertise, and what you do at the Health Sciences Center?
1: Hi. Thank you for the opportunity to be here today. So I am Julie St. John. I'm an associate professor with the Julia Jones Matthews School of Population and Public Health on the Aveline campus. And I've worked for Texas Tech Health Sciences Center about eight and a half years. So my background and expertise is in public health, of course, but I really focus on behavior change, health promotion, community, and building capacity for communities. So I do community-based participatory research, where I really engage the community in research from the inception of an idea all the way through doing an intervention and then evaluating that intervention. So before we can do that, we'll help communities identify what are some of the issues there. So we will often do an assessment, which might include windshield surveys, surveys, questionnaires, focus groups, key informant interviews, asset mapping. We're really trying to help communities figure out what's going on. And then once we, we figure that out, and we talk with them, we have a conversation and say, okay, great. This is what you told us are issues in your community. Now what would y'all like to do about it? And then at that point, we walk them through a community health development process where we really look at, okay, what do you want to address first? And they'll pick some issue. Maybe it's diabetes, for example. And then we'll walk them through the community health development process where we identify resources, What do you have in your community to to help you address this? What are those gaps? What are you missing? What don't you have? What are best practices? What are other places doing that we might could implement here? And then what are our recommendations based on those three things? And then we'll help them figure out next steps for that. So that's really kind of the work I do. Um, I've done a lot of public health related topics chronic diseases, environmental health issues, maternal and child health, lots of different areas of expertise because we focus on building community capacity and have also
0: been involved in social justice, which includes human trafficking. Well, speaking of human trafficking, that is our topic for this episode, and it is Human Trafficking Prevention and Awareness Month. And some of us might think of human trafficking as associated with undocumented immigrants, what is considered human trafficking, and why is it an issue of public health, health care?
1: Yeah, so human trafficking is centered on exploitation, and there are really two main types of, of trafficking. So sex trafficking is commercial sex that you're inducing someone to do that by fraud, force, or coercion, right? So you're inducing a person to perform an act, a sexual act. Labor trafficking is where you're recruiting, you're harboring, you're transporting a person for labor services, and and again, through force, coercion, or fraud, and for the purpose of subjecting them to involuntary servitude or or almost slavery. Mm -hmm. Smuggling, some people get trafficking confused with smuggling. So smuggling is really voluntary. It's where people will engage someone to transport them illegal. They're trying to avoid immigration laws. So it could be initially entering another country, or it could be once they're in a country and they don't have legal documentation, they're moving people around. So smuggling is different. People who have been smuggled have a much greater risk of being trafficked. But when we talk about human trafficking, it's different from smuggling. It's not the semi-trucks that had eighty people in it. That's usually smuggling. Human trafficking is a little different. It's it's exploiting a person by fraud, force, or coercion. And how that relates to public health and why we should care about that. So when we think about what is public health, well, public health is that science and art of preventing threats to our health and really promoting health and wellness, well-being. So Human trafficking is a threat to an individual's health and the health of a community. So that's why we care about it. That's why it's a public health issue. Healthcare is the same thing. Human trafficking, people who've been trafficked, they have health issues, physical health issues, mental health issues. So it's a healthcare issue as well because it impacts people's health.
0: Who is the most vulnerable to human trafficking and what do victims look like?
1: So literally... Anyone can be trafficked. And there are certain populations that have risk factors that put them at an increased risk. Children. Children don't typically have control over what happens to them. Teenagers, women, college students, right? They often have financial constraints and they're at risk of being trafficked. People who are are homeless or have unstable housing, people who dropped out of school, people with substance use or abuse disorders people with uh, mental health, diagnoses diagnosis or undiagnosed mental health issues or disorders, people who have been survivors of other past types of violence, so domestic violence. Survivors often can also become victims of human trafficking. Certain ethnic racial populations, the LGBTQ individual, individuals, particularly LGBTQ plus youth, people with disabilities, whether that's a physical disability or cognitive disability, Individuals who have been in foster care, that's a huge population with a really high risk of being trafficked, or juvenile facilities, those who have been previously incarcerated when they get out have a greater risk. Displaced groups, whether that's from environmental or weather circumstances, Tornadoes, hurricanes, any groups that have been displaced that could be from war, famine, lots of different reasons for that. Refugees and migrant workers have increased risk. And then also people who don't speak the primary language of a geographic location. So lots of risk factors.
0: What kind of health problems are found among victims of human trafficking? So there's really a, a myriad of health problems, and there's some
1: that are Specific, depending to the type of trafficking, just general health issues that for people that have been trafficked include infections, uh, multiple infections, recurring infections, malnourishment, serious dental issues, because they've probably not been to a dentist in a very long time, if ever. Undetected or untreated diseases, chronic diseases, diabetes, cancers, those sorts of things, bruises, scars, actual physical signs of trauma and abuse. Mental health illnesses and uh, psychological trauma, uh, depression, stress-related disorders, disorientation, confusion, phobias, panic attacks, feelings of helplessness, of shame, of shock, of humiliation, denial, uh, disbelief, and then also cultural shock, depending on the person. For sex trafficking, there's additional health issues Sexually transmitted diseases, HIV and AIDS, pelvic pain, rectal trauma, urinary issues, pregnancy that results from rape or prostitution, multiple abortions, particularly in young females, and infertility from chronic, untreated, sexually transmitted infections. And then for labor trafficking, some additional health concerns or issues, chronic back pain, hearing issues, cardiovascular, respiratory problems that come from really dangerous working conditions, weak eyes from from working in in conditions that don't have a lot of light, and then also infectious diseases such as tuberculosis that are easily transmitted in crowded conditions.
0: Are there signs or hints of human trafficking that the rest of us might might possibly come across
1: yeah. So, of course, if a person has one of these signs, it doesn't mean they're being trafficked, but there are some, some warning signs. So, in particular, um, in youth or, or younger kids, if they have a change in their demeanor or their, their personality, maybe they used to be very extroverted and now they're very introverted. If there's changes in who they hang around with, if they change the way that they dress, maybe now they're dressing a little differently. Maybe their grades have dropped, maybe they used to participate in extracurricular activities at school and now they don't. If they have new clothes or new items that you can explain where they got the money to purchase those, if they have a second phone, those can be some signs of trafficking in in, in youth particularly. Weight loss, malnourishment, um, if they appear to be in poor physical health or mental health, uh, if they have signs, actual just physical signs of of abuse and trauma, physical injuries, unplanned pregnancies, that could be a, a factor in a social context, if they avoid eye contact, if they look down when you try to speak to them, if they avoid social interaction, if they avoid authority figures, if they avoid law enforcement, if they seem to, when they are in public, have scripted answers or rehearsed answers, or if they're not allowed to answer for themselves. If someone's always answering questions when you ask them, that could be a sign. If they lack Identification and papers if they don't have a driver's license, they don't have other official documentation that could be a sign of trafficking. If they appear destitute, if they lack their own possessions, if they wear the same clothes over and over, that could also be a sign. Um, if They work a lot of hours. If they live at their place of employment, that could be a, a sign of, of labor trafficking. Tattoos and branding sometimes are, are signs and some uh, some some physical signs you can see of of someone that might be sex trafficked. If they're not given freedom. If they can't go places on their own, that could be another symptom. Yeah. So those are just a few of the things to watch for.
0: How can we prevent victimization or re-victimization?
1: It's a really good question. So what I would say for that is ask questions. Listen first to, to understand and really be present. But we need to ask questions. If something seems off, it may not be trafficking. It could be something else, but ask about it. And then when you start talking to someone, you have to build that trust. You have to ensure that their safety and other needs are being met. Uh, there's something that that's called an approach that, that people who work in the field of human trafficking, and it's called victim-centered approach. I actually prefer calling it survivor-centered approach, but it really puts the needs of people who have been trafficked first. So the ultimate goal is you always want justice wrought, right? We want people, the traffickers, we want them to, you know, be arrested. We want them to be dealt with. However, we never want to do that in a way that causes more harm to people who have been trafficked. So we want to ensure that their wishes, their safety, their well-being is addressed and that it takes priority over anything else, over the investigation, whatever it is you want the person who's been trafficked, you want to take care of them first, and you want to do that in a way that's trauma-informed. And by trauma-informed, we mean that it's not just treating the symptoms, but we're really trying to focus on the person as a whole, right? So we're not just treating maybe the health symptoms, but we're also addressing their housing and all these other complications that come with it. We want to decriminalize any legal acts that a person who has been trafficked may have violated, right? So when a person has been trafficked, oftentimes they break some laws. And so we want to work on decriminalization of those those um, acts so that they don't have a record and they're able to recover and, and thrive afterwards. And a public health approach for this is really we want to increase victim identification, right? We want to identify those that have been trafficked, and then we want to help them increase their their um, help seeking behaviors so that they can ask for the help that they need, and they can become their best advocates for themselves. We want to prevent victimization and re-victimizations by really focusing on those those groups that we mentioned that have higher risk. So we want to work with people who have a higher risk of being trafficked and strengthen their short and long-term health and well-being services and things that they have access to. And then ultimately, to prevent victimization or re we really... And this is a long-term approach. This is not something that can be done overnight, but we have to address those root causes, right? What is causing human trafficking? Uh, We want to address those root causes that make individuals and families and communities at risk. Poverty, lack of education, substance abuse. A lot of people will traffic their, their children because they have a substance use disorder and... They need money, and so they will traffic their own kids. So we need to address those root causes as well.
0: How else can we prevent human trafficking? Something
1: that I don't think gets enough attention is we have to stop the demand. If people weren't seeking those services, then you wouldn't need to traffic someone. So I would say stop the demand. And that's kind of a a continuum of of escalated behavior. I don't think anyone wakes up and says, oh, I'm going to pay to sleep with a 14-year-old boy or girl today. That doesn't happen overnight. So we need to, to stop that demand, and we need to address that progression to where people are soliciting those services. Pornography is the gateway drug to human trafficking, right? So we, we need to stop the demand. The Department of Health and Human Services has some really great tips, some of the ones they recommend. Know the signs. What are the red flags of trafficking? If you see something that looks suspicious, report it, right? There's a one 373 7888 right? That's the human trafficking hotline. You can text HELP to be free. You can email. You can call 911 and report it. So reporting tips, Spreading the word. You can display human trafficking resources. You can take some and put them at your place of employment or other organizations that you work or volunteer at. You can think before you shop. So think about when you go to buy something in your clothes, know where that's coming from. Know who's making that food and and those clothes and things that you're purchasing. You can tell your friends. Again, demand fuels exploitation. So the U.S. government actually has a zero policy for employment, for working for the government or people in the armed services or contractors. They cannot have solicited or paid for certain types of of services, including sexual services. So know that. Volunteer locally. Seek those anti-trafficking organizations in your your community. Ask if. They need help or how you can help them or support their outreach events and, and different things. Go to a gala, right? If they're trying to raise funds, support that. Go, go do that. Stay informed. Sign up for Department of Justice newsletters. Sign up for other feeds, all sorts of Twitter feeds and social social media outlets. You can sign up for different uh, emails and, and resources that way. Stay informed about that. You can register for a training on human trafficking. And you can use your own skills. What is your context? What can you do? Are you a lawyer? Can you offer pro bono services? Are you a teacher at a school? Can you look at your protocols to address human trafficking in your school? Are you a business owner? Can you hire people who have previously been trafficked or survivors? What can you do? What are your skill set that you can do? Think about how you can help and then raise your voice. Ask representatives, what are they doing to address trafficking? And then tell them what your community needs.
0: Why would someone in a rural community away from major interstate highways care about stopping human trafficking? Because rural areas have
1: trafficking. It doesn't always happen on the highways and in fact it's great that there's a lot of awareness in movies and TV shows, right? And, and But how they portray human trafficking is probably not the most common or how it's happening in our local communities, right? A lot of trafficking occurs with our families and friends. Um, they'll traffic their own kids and that happens in rural areas. That happens anywhere, right? And so people in rural communities should care about it because it's happening there. Rural areas are more isolated and so it might be easier to hide and go undetected and there's fewer resources to help. So that's why rural communities should care because it's it's likely happening there. It doesn't all happen on the interstates. There is that component, but it happens any and everywhere. So that's why people should care, because someone is being trafficked lightly. I live in a town of 2,000 people, and I've seen people have been trafficked at Dollar General and reported it. And and that's a rural community. Our local police chief was arrested several years back for trafficking a, a teenager for sex trafficking. So it does happen in our rural communities.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to add?
1: So to truly reduce our inhuman trafficking, everyone must pay a part and we must recognize it for what it is. It's evil. It's evil and it's wrong. And so we have to be informed and we have to care. We can't be indifferent anymore. We really need to acknowledge that it exists and we need to do our part. And the bottom line, I would say, is if you
0: see something, say something. Well, thank you for coming on our podcast. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to Texas Tech Health Check. Make sure to subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Always seek immediate medical advice from your physician or your health care provider for questions regarding your health or medical condition. Texas Tech Health Check is brought to you by Texas Tech University Health Science Center and produced by Tierra Castillo, Susana Cisneros, Mark Hendricks, and me, Melissa Whitfield.